Hi there, welcome to Series 2 of the Release the Sound podcast, where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Raymond Waterman, and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage, and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests, and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Welcome, everybody, back to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. It's such a privilege to have you, and we are in for a treat. We have Prophet Rob with us tonight is a national prophet with a passion for intimacy with God. And I love the uniqueness of this because he has real influence in the arts, but also in business and government. And that's because he actually works as a vocal coach, vocal health practitioner, and is also one of only a handful of elite vocal professionals in the UK that are accredited by the vocology in practice, and he has a great portfolio of clients working in musical theatre in the West End, and for us Aussies that are listening, West End sounds like a really magical place. So we're just very excited to have you and that you're raising up worship leaders and so many across the nations. Uh, He's also a member of the British Isles Council of Prophets, the Global Prophetic Alliance and European Prophetic Council. And one of the things that I love about the way that Prophet Rob leads worship is he moves with the Holy Spirit. And I actually really resonate, Rob, with the way that you lead because it's very similar to my passion and my heart, just that idea of, well, if you can speak prophecy, why can't you just sing it? I mean, that's who you are. That's your gift. Why not? And that's what you do. And so I love how the Lord is using you powerfully in that area. Prophet Rob's also part of my church, Windsor, under Dr. Sharon Stone, Okay, that was my long introduction, but it's such <laughs> an honour to have you with us. Oh, bless you, Roma. Bless you, Prophet Roma. Come on. Thanks so much <laughs> for having me. It's a real honour and joy to be here. And Dr. Sharon has uh, just been saying so many wonderful things about you, how much she loves you, how much she loves spending time with you and meeting the amazing uh, group of people that you're raising up as well and that you're mentoring. And yeah, she's just said what a joy it's been to hang out with you and, and spend that time with you. But you know, I actually came across you quite a number of years ago Really? Uh, with your vocal coaching stuff on social media quite a number of years ago. And I was like, who is this lady? This is really cool. <laughs> so um, it's really great to meet you finally in virtual but in person. So thanks so much for having me. It's a real honor. Oh, it's such a privilege. And um, yeah, I could talk about that journey for a long time. Maybe like you, I love the vocal space and, you know, sang, sang professionally, as most people would know. But got a bit bored. I just wanted to sing about Jesus and talk about Jesus. So I love that part of my life, but I absolutely love just being in the thick of the prophetic and singing the prophetic song. I'm sure you're probably the same. It's like, it's wow. wonderful. It's a gift. It's like your foundation, isn't it? It's like, I'm so grateful for that because I don't have to think so much when I move in the prophetic. There's something to be said about discipline, isn't there? In A in huge craft. amount to be said for discipline. Let's start with that question. I have a lot of people who are passionate about the prophetic that actually say, why do I need to learn the skill of songwriting or learn the skill of vocal technique if I just want to be prophetic? Let's put it into a different field. Do we believe that God can give people prophetic vision for things like building buildings? 
Yes, we do. Why do we know that? Because God gave the prophetic vision for the building of the tabernacle and the temple, uh, and then ultimately in Jerusalem that Solomon built, but it came by prophetic revelation. But if the people who built it had no skill, it would fall down. And so if we don't have skill, we don't have the uh, necessary equipment to actually support the revelation. And so if we don't have point, uh, the skill to deliver the revelation, why would God bother giving us the revelation in the first place? Because it's going to be wasted. Or we're going to sound, let's, let's, let's just be honest, right? We're going to sound so awful, no one's going to want to listen to it. So, you know, we want to, whenever we receive revelation from God, we want to deliver it in the way that God wants it delivered so it has maximum impact, whether that's through spoken, written, sung, uh, played on an instrument, uh, drawn, painted, danced, whatever it is, if we don't have the requisite skill to deliver that prophetic revelation in the way that it's going to have impact, then it becomes seed that's wasted. Uh, and God doesn't waste seed. So that's why I would say it's so important that whatever field we're in, in ministry, in releasing prophetic revelation, that we do everything we can to raise our skill level. That's called honoring God. It's called honoring the word of God. So yeah, that's what I, I would say. You're saying that because you know, when I was in my 40s, like I'm 52 now. Never. You're never 52. Thank Guys, you. Guys, you, if you if you can see Roma right now, you'd never think she was 50. Lots of makeup. <laughs> um, but I, when I was 41, I, I had my second child. So I had my kids later in life. But very unexpectedly with the birth of my child, my hearing went. Wow. Uh, part of it, I know the Lord's going to heal me. I feel like there's some spiritual things around that. But I had to relearn how to sing after having decades of singing lessons, learning classically, you know, going through all my exams, I had to go back to singing lessons to retrain how to hear and how to sing with different ears. And I, it was really stretching, but I'm so glad that I did it. And even at my age now, I'm always looking for ways to improve my voice or improve the, you know, not just the hearing part, not just hearing the voice of God, but the skill part. How do I be a better songwriter? How do I be a better vocalist? So I love that you're saying that. You never stop learning, do you? Never, 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 never. And I think, you know, when people ask me questions about worship or prophecy, the word I love to use is craft. It's That's a craft. Great because you have anointing and gifting, hopefully. <laughs> if you don't have that, ask God where you should be putting your energy, because if you don't have anointing and gifting, you're in the wrong place. But then there is the kind of the cerebral knowledge, there's the learning about, there's the study about something, but then there's the practical skill and application that comes with that. And But then there's also the relational dynamics, the interpersonal, and so if we don't have all of those things going on, then we're really going to struggle both in the prophetic and in worship because we never get to do anything in the kingdom of God on our own. It's never about me on my own in a room doing my thing, just releasing it to the world. God's not interested in that, actually. Wow. We always see in the Bible, God does it in the context of family and community, wow. in the context of accountability. Why? Because God really, we, we, you know, the Bible is very clear that we each receive a part of the revelation, the overall, 
And therefore, when we come together, we share our part. We need to know what our lane is and our part is, but we need to be humble enough to say, I don't have the whole thing. So if that's revelation, a prophetic revelation for a prophetic word, we've got part of it, but someone else will have another bit that fills in our blanks. But in the context of worship, it's rarely just us opening our voice in a space without anyone else there, right? The, there's the dynamics of interacting with the musicians, the other uh, people in the band, whether they're singers or instrumentalists, but there's also the congregational dynamic and leaders and all those other things. It never stands on its own in total isolation. That's powerful. What you've just said, that is so powerful. Wow. That's making me want to ask this question then. Did you know that you were a prophet before you were a worshiper? Or was it the other way around? Like, how did you move from being a singer, a vocalist, a worship leader into this prophetic space? Or did it happen the other way around? Oh, that's such a tricky question to answer. The realization of what it means to move in the prophetic is quite a journey, I think, for a lot of people. Yes. And I think one of the difficulties is that people are prophetic, they're revelatory before they realize they are. And so they see things, they know things, they understand things um, that seem obvious to them that are not obvious to other people. So they'll be watching the news and go, that person is just lying, or that's not the truth, this is what's going on, or wow, I really like that person. I don't know why everyone else doesn't like them. I think they're really good. I think they've got good intentions. When they're watching the news or you're just being in conversation with someone and you just come out with something that you'd never thought before. And you go, oh, that was a pretty cool thought. Um, and one of the things that I've been learning, particularly from uh, Dr. Sharon, is that particularly if you're a prophet, let's just separate that out from the gift and the ministry of the prophetic for a second, is that who we are is prophetic, who we are is revelatory. Therefore, often what we are thinking is prophetic in nature, the way our thought processes run. So I think for me, it was later on learning that the way I am as a person is prophetic. It wasn't something I suddenly was like, oh, I'm a prophet, I'm going to do this, that and the other. No, actually, it was Dr. Sharon who called that out in 2017 in a meeting. Wow. And I can tell you the story of that later or another time. But I think for me, I grew up actually in the Salvation Army. Yes. So I grew up uh, surrounded by music, bands and choirs and, you know, all of that stuff. Music was just an integral part of my upbringing. I really wanted to learn to play the piano. I wanted to do everything that was musical. I loved doing it. I sang all the time. But I think it wasn't until really I was in my mid-teens that I actually started engaging with kind of contemporary worship music. It wasn't part of our church. I didn't even know it existed until I started going to some youth events in our wider town environment or in the local area. And then I was like, what is this music? And I fell in love. And what it was, was the presence and the anointing of God the fresh rhema anointing of God on that new contemporary worship. It's not that the old worship at my church wasn't anointed, but it wasn't rhema anointed. You know, it didn't have the freshly breathed aspect of God. And so there was something about that that I caught and then I wanted to get involved. But, you know, it was many years of painful uh, journeying to get to the point of being a worship leader. And even once I was a worship leader, there was a lot of pain in the midst of that. 
Why? Because I think particularly when you're a musician, when you train to be a performing artist, you are used to the whole aspect of performance, used to the whole aspect of excellence. You're used to the whole aspect of being scrutinized in minute detail. You're used to pursuing the idea of perfection in performance and finesse and all of those different kinds of things. Now, on one level, some of those things are really great in the context of worship, like excellence, but performance, absolutely not. Why? Because it's not about drawing attention to ourselves. And after, you know, a good 15, perhaps nearly 20 years of pursuing excellence in music that people would come up to me at the end of a performance and say, you're amazing. That was incredible. Why? Because that was where the affirmation for most music, that's where the affirmation comes from most musicians. We can't carry any of that into the context of worship. So not a bit of it, not a bit of it. And so there was a whole journey of needing to die to that. And that was intensely painful because for those of us who get our identity from what we do rather than who the Father says we are, yeah. it's a really deep, painful journey of dying to all of that and coming to the Father and saying, actually, who do you say I am? And him smiling at us and going, well, you're certainly not a musician. <laughs> you're certainly not a singer. That might be something you do, but it's not who you are. And later there was this whole journey into... Uh, the prophetic, but then particularly being called out as a prophet. And it took me two years, nearly two years, 18 months from when Dr. Sharon called me out as a prophet in 2017 to me fully embracing the mantle that God was putting on me as a prophet um, and realizing that actually that is as much part of our identity if we're called to the fivefold as being a son or a daughter of the king. Wow. So the father calls us sons and daughters, but if we're called to the fivefold, the fivefold mantle is as much part of our identity, our intrinsic identity, as the one as a son or wow. as being part of the bride of Christ, wow. you know, as being a royal priesthood, a holy nation. These are core parts of our identity that we cannot separate out. As much as the Father, as much as God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, indivisible yet unique, mm. so it is too that we our sons and daughters, we're the bride of Christ, we're a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And then there are these other components if you're called to the fivefold ministry. And so for me, it was a journey of learning how these things all marry up and how the expression, though, is separate from the identity and learning not to get my identity from the expression, not looking to man to say, well done, you're awesome, but saying, Papa God, what do you say about me? Yeah. King Jesus, did I serve you well today? Holy Spirit, was I in sync with you today? Was I flowing with you? And and what do you think of me today? The, the past year had been one of the hardest years of my life. My father died in January. And, you know, as it as excruciating and painful as that was, that wasn't actually, in one sense, as painful as seeing him suffer. He'd been ill for a long time. He had Alzheimer's and dementia. And so in many ways, I'd watched the father that I knew, in one sense, he, he I, you know, they call Alzheimer's the long goodbye. And there was like a real, he was, he was unwell for quite a number of years, but the previous two years were particularly, we saw the decline very fast. And so there was a process of grieving in that, of saying goodbye to him. Um, I say that because the way Jesus would show up in my living room, 
most frequently would be with a huge smile on his face and laughing. Wow. And he'd make me jump. He'd just appear in front of me in the living room while I'm sitting here worshiping. Jesus, I'd look up and just in the spirit, Jesus would be there. I remember jumping back going, wow, okay, you made me jump there. And then he'd start laughing because he'd made me jump. Now, why did he show up laughing and smiling? Because he knew what I really needed to sustain me was joy. What I really needed was certain other areas of my life where I was taking myself too seriously, not to take myself so seriously because there were so many other areas that were such a challenge. And I think what we need for all of us is the revelation of how Jesus, how the Father, how Holy Spirit wants to interact with us right now, who he wants to show himself as. And that becomes the springboard for everything that we do in terms of uh prophetic ministry or in worship ministry or whatever it comes out of who are you to me right now today wow that feeling of dying i even think if i hear worship leaders saying they haven't felt that i just sit back and go well you will <laughs> if you're gonna be here long enough you will hopefully actually, hopefully they will yeah i mean it's it's horrible but beautiful at the same time isn't it because it detaches you from this need of affirmation from people. Absolutely. It shifts our focus in ministry as well. I said on Sunday night, you know, it used to be that I would pray before I'd get up and minister either in worship or the prophetic, whatever. It would be, Father God, just come anoint me. Give me some great words. Would you bless the worship tonight? Would you help it be great? God, please don't let me sound or look like an idiot. <laughs> You know, like, God, if you don't show up, I'm just going to look like a chump. You know, this kind of prayer. And then over time, God shifted it to God. I'm so desperate to encounter you tonight. I'm so desperate to encounter you. I'm so desperate to encounter you. And then God shifted it again to God. You've got to show up and shift these people. You've got to minister to your people tonight. Oh, God, let me get out of the way so that you can really move in the way you want to, to propel your people so that they would encounter you, so that their lives would be transformed, so that the world out there would know that there is a savior who is alive, that there is an answer, you know, and God shifts us from being me focused to him focused, to him focused for others. Oh, wow. I feel like there is that journey that God will take us on if he will let him kill us. And I'm not saying I'm there. I think I'm just on the outer edge. I feel like I'm just beginning to taste of the, the beginning vapors of all of this. You know, I say like with Dr. Sharon, I feel like a paper plane following in the 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 jet stream of her fighter jet in the spirit you know it's wow. like she's just off supersonic you know doing all this this incredible maneuvering in the spirit releasing atom bombs in the spirit that destroy darkness and all these different things and i'm just like i'm just like how do i follow on behind and but i i feel that's just to say like None of us have ever truly made it, right? If we think we've made it, if we believe our own hype, or if we believe the hype that other people say about us, that's not to say we have false humility, but we can't get caught up in that. It doesn't matter how anointed you are, until you have died, until you've really died, there's a place of usefulness that we haven't got to. I remember Patricia Bootsma, amazing prophet from Canada, saying, she heard once once heard someone else say it takes 20 years from the call of a prophet to when they become useful to god because it takes them that long to die to their own opinions 
Yes. You know, that's so funny you say that because in my 20s, I had signed a major record deal. I thought I'd made it with a with a mainstream record company. I was leading worship on Sundays in my local team. And all I was thinking was music, music, music. And this prophet came to our church and he started calling me out as a prophet. And I was really annoyed because firstly, I didn't know what a prophet was. And I was like, I don't want to be a prophet. I want to be a singer-songwriter. I don't even like that word prophet. What does that even mean? Not realizing, like when I look back now over the decades, that prophetic call has been with me since I was a child. I mean, look, it's 20 years later and now I feel like it's flipped. I'm like, I just want to hear the voice of God. I don't care how it comes. I don't care if I never sing a note again. I, I need his voice and I just want to be a voice for him, you know, it's like it, it, there was a flip and a change. So I really resonate with what you're saying that she said it can take 20 years for that journey. And I honestly, I feel like a baby, even though, you know, it's been 20, 25 years. I feel like I'm only just starting, you know, I'm like, oh, wow. Absolutely. We're recording this. When are we recording this? In September, two days after the Queen's funeral. Yes. And, you know, being based here in London, and, you know, the grief, the outpouring, I mean, it's been visceral, you know, like people, I mean, I've cried numbers of times, you know, we loved this lady so much. Why? Because she poured herself out relentlessly for others. She never talked about herself, you know, like she never talked about herself in public, really, unless it was in the context of thanking someone else for what they'd done for her. Wow. and how much she appreciated someone else. She didn't just talk about herself. And, you know, when we come into the presence of Jesus to worship, you know, he came to serve and not be served. Yeah. And, you know, if Jesus came to serve and not be served, how much more so us? He had every right to demand anything he wanted from us. And yet all he said he wanted from us was love. All he wants is love. And so for us, I think it's not even about our giftings and callings and all of those things so much as am I a worship leader? Am I a prophet? Well, I can't get rid of those two. Um, I'm stuck with them because that's what he wants from me. But it's like, how do you want me to love you today? How do you want me to pour out affection? How do you want me to pour out devotion? Because you are so much more worthy than the queen. And you're, when you come back in glory, it's going to make the queen's funeral. It's going to make the coronation of the king or wow. the queen look like children playing with plasticine. Wow. You know, it's just going to be like all the gems and jewels of the earth are just going to look like rubbish compared to the glory. You know, the regalia is going to look like, you know, filthy rags compared. Jesus is clothed in light. Yes. And so it's not about whether I'm singing a song or standing on a platform, giving someone a prophetic word or in a meeting with business leaders, receiving revelation from heaven or about helping the one on the street that I meet. It's like, am I being Jesus everywhere I go? I don't have an option about integrity. I don't have an option about consistency. I don't have an option about those things. Do I get it right all the time? No, but oh God, would you birth it on the inside of us that we can be Jesus everywhere we are every minute of the day. That's my cry, including to him. How do you want me to love you is really the cry. That's powerful. I'm loving what you're saying and I'm loving that the focus isn't about the talent, you know, because it would be really easy for a podcast like this just to talk about the talent part. How do we be better worship leaders? How do we be better prophetic 
people and I'm like, actually, no, it's about how do we be better lovers of Jesus? How do we just love him and have relationship and everything just flows out of that? And then it's almost like the gifts don't even matter. That's how it sounds as you're speaking and that's quite liberating. It all comes from character first of all, right? God can anoint anyone. God can anoint anyone. Uh, The gift and call of God are without repentance. A lot of people get upset because they feel like they're not being given the opportunity to start. I would say, don't be so worried about how you're going to start. Be worried about how you're going to end well. Wow. Because there are so many people who are anointed and they explode into the public gaze and they run really strong for a few years or sometimes not even years, months, and then they blow out, they get caught in some kind of scandal. You know, something comes out about them the way that they have fallen somewhere, you know, recently. We're not talking about past sin, like everyone's got past sin, right? Like, who cares? The media is into dredging up the past. Jesus is in back propelling you into your future. He really doesn't care about your past. It's covered by the blood. But you know, the power of God is something to be feared because the power and the anointing of God will propel you. The gift will make room for you, the the scriptures say, but it's only your character, your intimacy with Jesus, buying oil every day that will sustain you. And the fear of God. And we have to be asking God, give me the fear of the Lord. Why? Because it's the beginning of all wisdom. And only the wisdom, the fear of the Lord and character will be able to sustain you for a lifetime in ministry. And I don't care how anointed you are if you're not pursuing character, if you're not pursuing the wisdom of God, because you, the power and the gifting, the anointing will not sustain you. And Jesus will not look at you when you stand before him at the white throne judgment and say, how gifted were you? How anointed were you? He will say, were you faithful? Yeah. And faithfulness is not simply about that. You know, we we look at the story of the talents, the one who had uh, five and ten and what have you. And the one who was faithful with little was given more. Yes. But that is still not the place that sustains us. Intimacy and developing character is what sustains us. I want to get to the end of my life and know that I'm loving him more than I did at the beginning. I want to know that he's been able to root out every bit of selfishness, every bit of ambition, and that I'm just completely yielded, that there is nothing left of Rob Cates uh, in and of himself, that anything that remains is that which has been tested by fire, you know, that all the hay and stubble was burnt up. Yeah. That all remain that remained was gold. I want to interrupt you to say when you talk about the being burned by fire, and you were just saying earlier on too that you've had some, you've had to really die to some things. I'd love to hear some of that because I think people need to know that that's part of the journey. You know that it's not all wow. I released a song or I released something prophetic and it was amazing. That part of the journey is being burned like burning the dross, you know. Let me come back to something you said. You talked about when you were called out as a prophet by a prophet, which is always the way it happens, by the way. It's part of the process is being called out by another prophet, a bona fide fivefold prophet. You said your immediate reaction was, I don't want to be a prophet. Yeah. I went to the School of Revelation at Catch the Fire Toronto in 2017, and Patricia Bootsma and Lindley Allen both amazing prophet and apostle. Lindley Allen's an incredible prophetic apostle uh, based in New Zealand. Yes. 
phenomenal woman. Both of them taught sessions independently that the other wasn't in, and they hadn't exchanged notes where they talked about what they felt they saw as five characteristics of the call of a prophet. One was the divine encounter, the commissioning by God in the spirit realm. Yeah. We see that in the scriptures. But every prophet that you meet will have had an encounter where God commissioned them in the spirit realm, not in the natural, in the spirit. Um, every prophet will have been called out by another prophet. Every prophet will already have had a track record of running with accurate revelation. Um, every prophet will already be in some measure recognized uh, by those in leadership and authority, not necessarily their own pastor, but somewhere some senior leader will be seeing that call on their life, even if they haven't named it. And there'll be those those things of consistency. And the fifth thing that they both talked about was the prophet going, I don't want this. Wow. Running away, Jonah running yeah. uh, away from Nineveh. Like it's, it's so big. When he said that to me, I was like, that's the last thing I want to do. Because what if I get it wrong? You know, that's a big, if, if you're going to, I remember um, Dr. Sharon saying once, if you're going to put thus saith the Lord at the beginning of something that you're about to say, it better be good. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's true. It's a big deal. And, and it, that means we have to die to our fear of getting it wrong. Yeah. Because every time we open our mouth, we risk being wrong. And we have to die to the fear of the criticisms of men because yes. guess what? They will criticize. So we just have to get over that. So what happened to me in 2017 oh, yes. at the School of Revelation was four of those things had already happened. They'd all happened except for being called out as a prophet. Wow. And all four of those things. And I was like going, I don't want to be a prophet. The cost is too high. I don't want it. I'm a worship leader. I'm just very happy leading worship. Thank you very much. Just let me sing my songs and come off stage and don't talk to me. And, you know, I like that. I like the little bit of recognition you get as a worship leader, but I don't want the intense scrutiny that comes with being a prophet. I don't want any of that. I'm happy to release prophetic words. I like it when I get to release nice, comfortable prophetic words like God's going to bless you. God's going to give you a new house. God's going to da 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 All those words that everyone loves to receive. I don't want to be a prophet because you said to Jeremiah that you were going to give him words that would raise up and tear down. I don't want to be one who has a hammer in my hand that smashes stuff apart. I don't want that because no one likes those kinds of prophets. But that is, I see that's the role of a prophet. You, you've, you've appointed a prophets for the appointing of kings and the tearing down of kings for the yeah. establishment of kingdoms and tearing down of kingdoms you know we have in our mouth the fate of nations i don't want that responsibility there is such a strict uh, judgment that comes to those who speak on behalf of the lord i don't want that i see this as well people get stoned they get they got beheaded they got sawn in too i don't want any of that thank you very much jesus Fast forward to 2019, I'm back in Toronto for the 25th anniversary of the outpouring in 94. Yes. And I'm there with a friend of mine, another incredible prophet, Shara, and she prophesies over me and she says, you know, you're a lover of Jesus. You love being in the secret place. You're a worshiper. But God is saying to you, you have to pick up the mantle of the prophet. You have to pick up the mantle of the prophet. And this is after Dr. Sharon's now called me out. So I've got all five in place. Um, and 
I'm going, yeah, but I don't want da 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 da. Anyway, she says to me later in the week, she goes, you know, you've really got to pick up that mantle. You've got to lay down worship and pick up that mantle. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to. I just, yeah, I just don't want to. Third time later in the week, she says, God says you have to pick up that mantle. And I said, she stopped me at but this time. I go, yeah, but she stops me. And she goes, then you'll answer before the throne for it. Wow. Because God does not want to call you to the office of the prophet for yourself. And you're thinking about yourself. God is calling you to the office of the prophet for everyone who will be ministered to, everyone who will be blessed, the lives that will be saved, those who will come into a knowledge of him, uh, you know, and all the other stuff that goes with it. This is not about you. You need to get over yourself, drop the mantle of worship and pick up prophet. Yeah. And so that week I did, I went into a deep travail. I wept, I wailed, I laid it down in Toronto. I just was like, okay, God, I pick it up. You know what? At the end of the week, the new Catch the Fire music artists were signing their contracts to join the record label. They asked me to sit and join them. And I was in all the photos of these people signing their contract yeah. stuff. God, why am I here? And Lord reminded me, he says, you prophesied this into being. Wow. He said, Therefore, you're here. He says, you're being recognized now for the prophetic mantle on your life to speak wow. into the lives of these incredible artists who are now releasing that. Anyway, here's the, the crazy thing. The second I laid it down, I started getting prophetic words about worship. And wow. in all of the previous 20 years or so of leading worship and being involved in music and church and all that kind of stuff, I don't think I'd received one prophetic word about it. Not one. The second I lay it down, God starts giving me all this stuff. I'm then weeping, crying, God, why are these people giving me prophetic words about this? I've laid it down. I've given it up. I've picked it up. Guess what? God restored it all. He restored it all. And then this year I led worship at David's 10, which for those of you who don't know, massive worship gathering here in the UK. And the song of the Lord came forth and I prophesied in song in a way that I never have before. And the Lord married the two and brought forth this incredible thing that really brought about a shift and I don't get to boast about any of it. I've seen you in action when you are singing the prophetic song. To me, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I <laughs> love I love it because there's something about a song and the prophetic word together that is so, it's so palatable, like people's hearts are opened and they don't expect it. They don't expect, like their hearts are wide open because they think they're hearing a song, but then you prophesy and their heart's wide open. You know, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And I love when you do that. I mean, I, I've been in sessions where you've led worship and I was crying behind my screen. I had to turn it off <laughs> because I just, it's, there, there's not a lot of people that are doing it. So it's very beautiful and fresh Praise and God. something very unique about it. So I hope you never put it down personally. And also <laughs> there's not a lot of people doing it. And that's why I wanted to interview because I'd also love to know how, like what's happening as you're doing that? So when you're mm. in the middle of worship and you are you seeing? Are you a seer? Like I'm a, I see pictures, something yeah. with your words. Like what's happening? If you can break it down, you probably can't because I know it's. Yeah, so I think there's a difference between prophetic worship and prophesying in song. They are different mm -hmm. things. Prophetic worship would be flowing with what Holy Spirit's saying, showing, leading you, the unction of the Lord in the prophetic, in the worship. Should I go to this song? Should I go that way? Should I linger? Should I sing in tongues? Should I sing something else out? The prophetic refrain that comes forth that enables people to join in. Um, 
Uh, and I would say all of those things are, are amazing uh, parts of prophetic worship. What should I play? You know, just being really sensitive to the Holy Spirit in that context. Prophesying in song is much more, has a, a much stronger declarative. It's like proclaiming, proclamation, declaration. Yes. And it has a different weight on it. Yeah. In my experience, it has a different weight on it. I feel much more out of control. I feel like I'm much more in the place of ecstatic worship, ecstatic prophecy. Yes. For those who've never read Stacey Campbell's book, Ecstatic Prophecy, I highly recommend it. Um, I feel more in that ecstatic place. And so to answer your question specifically about how am I receiving revelation, it can vary hugely. Sometimes it's the nabby flow, the bubbling up. It just comes up and out. Um, sometimes it's the seer anointing. So I'm seeing, I'm singing what I'm seeing as I'm seeing it. Sometimes it will be just the feeling, the sense of something. Sometimes I will sing what I'm literally hearing. Yes. Um, sometimes I will feel like I'm in a different realm and I'm singing from that realm into this realm. And, and that will happen when I'm prophesying as well. Sometimes it is, and you'll understand this as a prophet, it will just feel like common sense, what I'm saying or singing. Yeah. This is just This is just what needs to be said right now. And it's just that my thoughts and the spirit's thoughts are one mm. and so it's like i'm thinking what he's thinking so it comes to me as thought gotta ask questions dr sharon's so strong on this she's just like you have to ask questions don't get locked into just receiving revelation one way and don't be impatient to release it let god bring it in layers and in his timing just That's say right. father I don't understand this yet, but I trust you're going to show it to me. Help me to be sensitive and ready for when you do in the unexpected ways that you're going to do it. Yes. And I just, as you're saying that, I'm just like, what would happen if worship leaders across the globe captured this in, like had this revelation of, of, I mean, you know, those that have that prophetic call, that prophetic song to release, what could happen? I get really excited about that. So you know, exciting. feel like it's so easy for worship to become an industry. I got caught up Dear in that. God. Day, and I, I, I hear the Lord just saying lately, I'm about to release a holiness movement across worship ministries in the earth where people don't care about record labels. People don't care about that the whole church is going to sing. They're going back to the local sound, the local song, but a life of holiness you know, like that's actually the Come foundation. On. King Jesus is about to walk on the scene like never before. And when the king is in the room, there are no stars. What an absolute honour it's been to have you today. I just I just love it. I hope this is not the last time that we have a conversation. I hope this is the beginning. Come and on. Um, how it's can people connect with you? How can people contact you, connect with you? My website is robcates.com, R-O-B-C-A-T-E-S. Um, I always have to say that because people put all kinds of different consonants in. Yes. Um, robcates.com. Um, my Instagram handle is rob.cates. And then my Facebook page is robcatesuk. We just thank you for your ministry. We thank you for the cost, the things you've laid down to do what the Lord's called you to do. We're, we're so blessed by you and I'm just looking oh, forward to you. I'm looking forward to being um, under your ministry very, very soon, being in, being led in worship, being 
um, hearing the voice of the Lord through your through your voice. So thank you again. For oh, being thanks with for us. having me. It's been an honor. It's been such a privilege. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.